Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that rave line. Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is going to do the same thing again year after year oh no hello everybody welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio episode 385 coming to you on Tuesday October 27th we are just 11 days away from USC football the Trojans and the Arizona State Sun Devils locking horns at the Coliseum we're going to talk about the latest from fall camp some news about the program, and so much more, including a ton of listener questions here on this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Omni. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fansider.com, and our phone number is is 213-373-1USC. Suck it, what's Bruin Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Elisa Daratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Elisa. You know, 11 days from now, we'll have college football. USC and ASU at the Coliseum. Uh, a 9 a.m. kickoff. Nothing will get you more excited than a 9 a.m. kickoff. But I, like, I, I feel like I have to be honest with the listeners here. It's 11 days, and I don't know if I'm, I, I don't know if I'm ready yet, Is that, which makes no sense because this has been the longest offseason of our lives. We talked about it last offseason. We said that that was the longest offseason of our lives. Little did we know that this one was going to be even longer, and it hasn't hit me that football season is just around the corner. Am, am, am I weird? Am, am, like, is it me? No, I, it's 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 been weird. It's definitely been weird. It's been weird for me, too, because I've been covering college football that isn't USC. And so I, you know, going into the, the season for the SEC and the Big 12 and all of those, I felt very strange. And then I kind of dove back into it because of the nature of my job. Uh, so... I kind of feel like I've gotten used to the idea that college football is being played because I'm watching so much of it. But at the same time, I'm exactly where you are as far as USC coming back. It's like I am super excited about USC coming back, but I'm also like I, I'm I'm super ready for the season to come back in terms of just I want it here now. But I also part of me weirdly doesn't still think it's real. Like it's it was crazy to me to to wake up this morning and think to myself like a week from today 
I'm going to be doing preview stuff for USC's football game. Like, yeah. it just, everything has felt out of whack. And We're so it's been- a few days away from game week already. Yeah, it's very hard to process just because we didn't get the normal lead up. And so I think it's perfectly natural for everyone to sort of sit back and go like, what, like, whoa, where, what is, what is going on? What has been happening? How do we deal with knowing that, you know, USC football season is about to start, even though it's, it's totally abnormal the way it's all going down and, and the, the way that we are getting set and ready for it. It's, it's just all extremely strange. Yeah. And, you know, this isn't just me and and USC football. This is just me and sports in general. Yeah. And you're not alone. So much of it just feels so weird right now. I mean, uh, the the World Series doesn't feel normal. The the nothing feels Which, normal. Which by the to way, me. by the way, the World Series has been great as a neutral. Mm. It's been really great to watch. I mean, uh, Game Four was great. I mean, <laughs> you are not a neutral here, Michael. Um, even though as, you, as a lifelong, as a lifelong Rays, Rays fan, fan like, yes, that Game Four was just fantastic. <laughs> Greatest moment of your Rays fandom? I think bar so. None? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, you're not alone. I have been fortunate that um, that because of of you know sort of been working on the on the news desk more or less, I have been exposed to way more sports than I normally am because normally I'm so focused in on USC that I'm not actually watching that much sport outside of that. And so I have been just inundated and consumed by NFL games and baseball games and uh, you know basketball games and hockey games up until a little while ago. So for me, it's been it's been weird because I've been so in it because I've had to be so in it. But you and I know a lot, 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 a lot of other people have had a really hard time getting uh, getting back into it, getting back to their normal routine of sitting down and watching a game of any sort. I don't think you are alone by any stretch of the imagination. And I was having this conversation with some people that, you know, the diehards, I think, are it's easier for them to get back into it because they never really leave it during the year, but the casuals, if you're a casual you USC call me fan, a casual, not USC, but like you know you're a casual baseball fan at this point, right? Like you're a you're a casual NFL fan. Like you don't have an NFL team that you have to sit down and watch every every week. Are you, dude? I've been a Jags fan since '95. What's on my desk right now? A Jags album. Yeah, but Go you are Jags, you are baby. not a hardcore Jags fan, Michael. I mean, I don't Be know what real. our record is. We're uh, just th- taking for Trevor Lawrence. I have watched more Jaguars football this year than you have. I guarantee you that. So <laughs> that's all I'm saying is that it's. I think it's harder to get back in if you're if you're a casual. And so I'm hoping that you know most of the people listening to this podcast, you would think, are less of the casual persuasion and more of the. Maybe not full on hardcore, but more of the hardcore. And hopefully once it all becomes real, everything will click back as though it were were normal. But I think it, it will take something to sort of launch everybody back into it. And I think that something is the game itself. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm hoping for. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, come November 7th, that morning, d- despite all of my disgruntled, uh, you know, takes about the the morning kickoff uh that come 905 everything feels normal again being back in a press box and watching a game and tweeting talking to you guys on Twitter and um in in our slack channel and everything will feel normal then I, I'm hoping I, I mean it's just been such an interesting 
interesting offseason that I feel just like sports are just so distant at this point. Uh, and I say this as someone who is suddenly all into F1. So mm-hmm. uh, it's not like I'm I'm not getting my sports fix, but I don't know. It's been a wild, wild I, off season. And, uh, and not, not to extend this conversation out too far, because I know the, the, the people don't like when we discuss other sports. Uh, but uh, I do think there's something to be said for the sports that are least visually impacted by the pandemic, uh, the the uh, structures that are in place. I think those are easier to watch. Um, you know, having gotten into M- to F1 just this year i've never seen an f1 season that isn't without a crowd and f1 the nature of it the races it doesn't really matter if the fans are there it's it's not like they have an impact on the game where when you're watching a football game or a soccer game you notice when the stands are empty you notice when the crowd is not the level of loudness that you that you think it should be and i think that's also something that maybe takes you out of it just a little bit but uh, that'll be something that USC fans have to contend with, knowing that the the Coliseum will be empty, uh, more or less, on uh, on on the seventh and going forward. You can have your cutout there for fifty five bucks. You can have your cutout there for as much, almost as much as it would cost you to buy a ticket to the game. I have strong opinions about the whole cutout thing. I think it's great that it's come from the Bundesliga and it's translated to American sports. We've seen. All the different, you know, teams that have done it, and it looks kind of cool, and it's a good way to get your fans involved, despite them not being there, and all that kind of stuff. At the same point, $55 per game for a cutout? $300 plus for the cutout for the season, and you'd have to pay an additional $25 to get it shipped to you. I can't do that. Like, (laughs) I I wouldn't do that. And mind you, I don't know what the price should be, because I know the logistics of that stuff is difficult. I mean... I used to work at a company that did printing. Full color printing of that size is expensive. It's it's not like the, there's a huge upsell there. Like that stuff just is expensive. Um, and if you want it to be on good poster board and you want it to actually stand and be legitimate, it's going to cost money. Uh, it just the idea of paying fifty five dollars to not be at a game is wild to me. I am a cheapskate. So that would be my first thing is that that's a lot of money to, to be spending to not go to a game. Um, and I have never had enough money to just sort of throw it around like that. So more power to the people who can afford that in their lives. I certainly have never been in the in that position. So um, I don't know. But like at the same time, it's you know USC is losing a lot of money on this season. So. If they're going to try and recoup it somewhere, I, I can't necessarily blame them for that. I, I really can't. Uh, right. It's just, I don't think we are the target audience for it, honestly. No, but the people listening to this show definitely are. Right, and each one of them, like, I think they have to make that decision if that's something that they that they want to do. And like I said, if it's something that you have the power to do, more power to you. I wish I was in your position. <laughs> Hypothetically, though, if you did put in a picture of yourself what would what, that would what be the doing? hardest part that would be the hardest part i'd have to pick a damn picture of myself so i'd either have to have like do a photo shoot where some where i have somebody take a pic like a, a picture of me uh where i'm wearing whatever gear that i want to wear and doing whatever pose that i want to do and, and do it that way like that seems like the obvious thing that you'd have to do right because if you want it to be full 
if you wanted to be like a full standing person, is that how you would consider it? Like, I think so. I think you got to be making like a a a cheering motion. Yeah. I have a cheering pose. Yeah. But then I've seen at some NFL stadiums, they're just sort of doing, it's just sort of like the, the torso up. So maybe you just take a picture of you at a at a game at some point. Like I have some pictures of me at, at games from when I was a student that like, maybe those would be the, the, the ones that I'd choose. When, when you're at Notre Dame. When I was, <laughs> when I was not at Notre Dame. Uh, but like picking a picture would be so... Uh, crippling for me that that's probably aside from being cheap that's probably the other big reason why I just wouldn't do it because that sounds like a, a, a pain to me to have to make that choice of this is the picture I'm going to get blown up into a life-size me speaking of things that are cheap uh, let's talk about our bonus episodes over at patreon patreon.com slash reign of Troy if you love the podcast there's so much more Coming your way over on Patreon, including this month, we're doing our 10-part position-by-position preview. We've done the offense. The defense is still to come here in this last week of October. Talking about USC, every single position group. We're talking about the linemen. We're talking about the linebackers. We're talking about the defensive backs, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, the tight ends, and so on. Every single position group until the beginning of the season. It is a fun time over at Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. You get all of our bonus content for as little as $5.55 per month, but you also get ad-free main episodes. And the great thing about Patreon is you get a custom RSS feed that you can take to your current podcast catcher, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, whatever you're using. You take that, that personalized RSS feed, you import it in there, and you get all of our bonus episodes right in your podcatcher so you can listen in the car, you can listen on on your run, while you're at the gym, while you're, let's be real, it's COVID time, while you're at home, while you're doing the dishes, while you're doing whatever you're doing, when you're listening to the podcast. All of our bonus content for as little as $5.55 per month. For 10 bucks, you get to join our Slack channel and talk to us in addition to everything else. Talk about USC football and on game days, that's always a pretty happening spot to be in. Yeah, that's one of the things I'm most looking forward to uh, the season starting is having the the Slack open on uh, on Saturdays and getting to interact with the with the folks. This is the the first year I won't be on the field, so that means I'll actually have good Wi-Fi to do during the game, which means I will be able to actually talk to people without having to constantly refresh and try to catch up to the 50,000 messages that have come through on the Slack <laughs> by the time that the internet on the Coliseum floor uh, catches up. So should be fun. Should be good. Yep. Join us today at patreon.com slash Troy. Also, be sure to leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts and help grow the show that way. We've got a new review, Alicia, from Moy Caro. Five stars. It says, top-rated podcast personalities. Michael and Alicia, I've been a fan of your show for many years and am happily a Patreon listener as well. Your two personalities and commentaries blend just so well together, and you're both very knowledgeable in college football. I can't wait for USC Football 2020. Fight on. By the way, we were all wrong about Justin Herbert. No kidding. I will eat tons of crow about Justin Herbert. Gosh, I'm eating all the crow about Justin Herbert. And big ups to uh, the, the the Chargers for putting him in a position where 
he can can go out there and thrive and man does that not is that not a huge indictment of uh of Oregon's offense over the last couple of years makes you wonder what Joe Moorhead can go in there and improve uh because clearly the offense was the problem uh when you had uh Justin Herbert and we're seeing what he can be in the NFL and they certainly weren't getting that out of him uh at the college level Jesus yeah absolutely I, I thought I mean, I've said it before. I thought he was a good, not great quarterback. Uh, it looks like he's going to be uh, an absolute stud in the NFL because he already is. So uh, more power to him. More power to the Chargers. We'll see what happens. Uh, I know this town is fervent with their Charger support. Uh, this is the Chargers town <laughs> oh, yeah. for sure. And surely uh, Justin Herbert will see that true. Uh, but that's going to wrap up this little intro. Let's get to the news, shall we? We have to discuss the Munir McLean saga, if you want to call it that. Um, USC has suspended uh, wide receiver Munir McLean, and it is an interesting sort of events change of turn of whatever the hell you want to call this. That about sums up everything about trying to make sense of of this. It's just like it's a tongue twister in a, in a weird brain twisting kind of way uh i do you want me to just get into it and try to explain to the folks what's going on i am definitely not the person to explain this. okay so i will do my best to explain this as as clearly and succinctly as possible uh really if you want to know anything about this situation really go read uh, ryan karchi's stuff in the la times because he's done a really good job of sussing out everything that's going on with this as much as it can be sussed if that's a turn of phrase that is that is correct. Uh, so basically what happened is camp started and Clay Helton announced that Munir McLean was suspended and that it was a, an indefinite suspension and that they weren't going to dis- divulge the details of the why. Uh, since then, the why has come out more or less, sort of, but thanks to Ryan Karchi. He reported for the LA Times that Munir McLean is under investigation by the feds over his application for unemployment benefits. And he applied for unemployment benefits under the sort of pandemic unemployment assistance uh, that got that got put out there when the coronavirus pandemic hit. Basically, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have uh, qualified for unemployment except under the pandemic assistance, which loosened some of the rules and made it possible for more people to get unemployment as a result. So he applied based on um, the the business that he was doing, which was reselling shoes. So he's reselling shoes and the uh, the business essentially dries up, he says, because of the pandemic. And so he applies for the pandemic assistance, uh, the unemployment through that. And he receives the uh, unemployment a- as a result. So that happens. From what we can tell, that is not an NCAA issue. The NCAA even told uh, Karchi in the LA Times that uh, NCAA rules don't cover unemployment benefits. So it would not seem that this is an NCAA issue just right off the bat. 
The trouble is that the feds are now investigating his application. And we don't really have a good idea of why that is, what it is about his application that stirred their interest. Uh, what we do know is that USC was basically informed uh, of of concern that the that the uh, federal agencies had about USC students and this unemployment benefit that, that was being received and that Manir McLean was involved. So in the course of all of this happening, USC suspended McLean and federal agents have now been to USC's campus and spoken to several USC players, including Abdul Malik McLean, who is uh, Munir McLean's brother. And from what we know now, some USC players have received subpoenas with regard to this matter. What does any of that mean? It is incredibly hard to say because we don't know what it is that is even being investigated. Uh, is it some sort of fraud that they're saying? Do, are are they trying to say that maybe Munir McLean uh, misrepresented his business or misrepresented his his qualifications for unemployment? Um, were there other people involved? All of these things are at play here, which is what's making it all so hard to nail down. Uh, the latest developments from this were over the weekend, Munir McLean, his brother, Abdul Malik, and his mother, uh, and a civil rights leader from from L.A., uh, held a press conference over the weekend to protest USC's decision to suspend Munir uh, without giving them more of an indication of what it is that he did wrong and without sort of, uh, you know, to use a term that doesn't really apply here, without sort of due process as far as uh, figuring out why it is that he's being kept from from playing football at this point. Um, the, the wording that was used for the, the press release on that one was on Saturday was a little bit strange. It was a little bit odd, a little bit, uh, misguided, I think. And it, uh, it talked about defying Clay Helton over this. And there was a lot made of Clay Helton's salary and the differences between the players who aren't being paid and the coach that is. And a lot of that sort of drummed up, I think, some drama that didn't need to be there. But the press conference on Sunday was pretty straightforward. They just want Munir McLean to be unsuspended and they want him to be able to play. And um, Munir, obviously, Abdul Malik, they were at the, uh, the at the press conference. Tyler Vons was also there. Several other USC players were there uh, supporting the uh, their teammate. But um, they were told, the players have been told by Clay Helton, by the university, to not speak publicly on the matter and it sort of makes sense why it's a, you know, a federal investigation. And generally, any lawyers for anybody will tell you just don't say a word because it can only end poorly for you. So that is the that is the, the, the whole picture that we have right now. And it doesn't really explain a ton except for the very basic, very simple if you are under investigation by a federal agency, USC will suspend you. That's that's uh, seems to be what the crux of this whole thing is. Um, is that fair to Munir McLean? I mean, on the surface, if if all it is they're doing, uh, here's my opinion getting thrown in here. If all it is that they're doing is investigating whether or not he should have received pandemic as unemployment assistance as an individual 
seems like a little bit of overkill uh, from USC. It doesn't seem like the kind of thing that requires an, an indefinite suspension. It, it feels like the kind of thing to me that maybe you just let it all play out. And then if he gets in trouble, then you deal with it later um, when it's when it's resolved, especially because the NCAA has basically said this isn't our purview. What worries me here is that if this isn't a case of USC absolutely uh, overreacting to something, which is possible it is, it definitely seems like overkill going the other way for federal agents to be knocking on doors because one person got unemployment assistance that they shouldn't have. So if I'm USC... I am definitely worried about the scope of this thing because it seems like a lot for one person to have trigger- triggered this kind of thing. Yeah, th- this whole thing um, hurts my brain in a lot of ways because, <laughs> yeah. like, I-, I I don't know that I'm qualified to speak about any of this. Oh, absolutely. And- like, I don't feel qualified at all. <laughs> And like I don't understand unemployment assistance and I don't understand how you qualify it no, for it or anything like that. No, and if it's if it's not an NCAA violation, then okay. And uh more power to him to be able to get, you know, a- any unemployment just like any person, not like just a football player, but anyone. Uh more power to him as far as I'm concerned, that whatever, right? Um, at the same point, like you said, it does seem like absolute overkill for there to be all these subpoenas and everything just based on what we know. So I, this is one of those situations where you just have to wait and see what comes of it because it's, yeah, I got nothing. And and it's one of those situations too, where, and I put this in the the Slack channel uh, over the weekend, SC's off season was too good, wasn't it? It was too positive. It was too optimistic in in which you looked at it and everything went SC's way this offseason with the exception of not playing until November, right? This is an offseason in which there's a lot of hype for Keaton Slovis. There's a lot of hype for this offense. Uh, there's a lot of praise going around for this team turning it around. We know that, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker is back. Talano Hufanga's back. Like, there's a lot of players that are still on this team that are super talented and can take this team to the next level. And it's a team that throughout this offseason has had every important game taken off their schedule. Suddenly, they're a playoff contender. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Yeah, because of the schedule. Because of the schedule that's been created. And everything has gone USC's way this offseason. And then all of a sudden, here we are, a couple of weeks until the season starts, and suddenly, this is the USC you know and love, a USC that's getting investigated by the FBI in some sense. And it's Munir McClain in the sense, not not USC as an entity, but again, this is the third time in the last couple of years that USC and FBI have been in the same sentence. Which is not ideal. Not ideal at all. No. So, and that's where, uh, you know, if I'm going to cut USC some slack here, it's if a player is being investigated by the FBI, that is a concern. That is a problem. And that is probably something that USC wants to not have be floating around their university. 
the problem that USC has now is that, uh, and this this we do feel, I think, qualified to, to speak on, now you're dealing with a team issue. Now you're dealing with a player who has been suspended, a player whose brother is also on the team, who's being investigated by, who's being talked to by the by the feds, and, you know, the, the brother and several other players are joining a press conference to protest a, a suspension publicly, um, you're getting into some drama that you certainly didn't need. Even if it all turns out to be nothing, you now have this weekend where, you know, press a press release was was put out there that included the words in defiance of Clay Helton and compared USC to a slave plantation. So, you know, that is that's certainly not the drama free offseason that we thought we were sort of heading through. And the hope for USC is that they're able to communicate better uh, to communicate between the players and the staff and the players' parents and all of that kind of stuff and put this all to bed as as far as it can be put to bed. Uh, But that would be my major concern, aside from obviously my concern being, you know, I don't want the FBI anywhere near anything going on with USC. Uh, My concern at this point from the football team perspective would be how does this impact USC's preparation? How does this impact the team chemistry? How does this impact uh the 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 um just general serenity that is that is flowing through or around this program uh that w- we'll see obviously how they handle it um let's get into some other camp updates USC of course has been in fall camp for the last few weeks the media is not allowed to view uh camp because campus is shut down this means that anything any conclusion about fall camp Purely speculative or parroted from USC themselves, right? We only have access through what Clay Helton says and what the coaches say and what the players say. So take that all with a grain of salt, with the exception of some hardened news here, like Trevor Trout, out for the season. Someone that we've expected to see get a chance at some point. And it seems like every year there's been some sort of little injury bug. Yeah, it's a bummer. Uh, He has dealt with a bicep tear and he's dealt with a back injury and apparently it's the back injury that uh, that has given him the problem now that he's going to sit out and the scariest part of all of this is that you know Clay Helton you don't normally hear this from a head coach but Clay Helton certainly implied that uh, this could be a medical retirement situation so that's a big bummer for a former four-star defensive tackle who was a big body USC could have used in the on the defensive line uh, but you know Fortunately, USC has recruited that defensive line with some really intriguing bodies as well. And so maybe some of those guys are just going to have to get thrown in there a little bit earlier than we anticipated. Yep. Other injury talk, uh, particularly at linebacker, Jordan Iasefa, Elijah Winston, and Solomon Tuliapupu all out injured. Uh, Solomon Tuliapupu at this point, is he ever going to get on the field? Like we've talked about it so many times. If he, if only he could get on the field. If is, only he could get on the field. Is Solomon Tulipupu the the new George Farmer? Where it's like he George was, Farmer got on. We uh, saw we George, saw Farmer, George on the Farmer. Field. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just man, what bad luck. He comes in with this foot injury that keeps him out for two years, and then after he's fully healed from the foot injury, he busts his knee. Like, I, dude, like there, there's just it just it sucks. It really sucks. What also sucks is is the the degree of injuries that USC has at linebacker. I mean, Jordan Iasefa is also a guy that was coming back from a knee injury, and then he has a setback, and 
all of a sudden he's not going to play this year. Uh, Elijah Winston is another guy who who just had a freak injury this this summer and it's going to keep him out this year. And boom, three linebackers are are out. And frankly, three linebackers that I all that I thought could have all contended for potentially starting jobs. So that's a that's a big collective blow for USC. And uh, we found out on on Monday that they've moved Raymond Scott from safety to linebacker to help deal with that. So you know the the, the linebacker core is looking looking pretty thin at this point. Yeah, but. Raymond Scott, a two time CIF state champ out of Narbonne, uh, back over to linebacker and. It's wild because when you look at a season like SC is going to participate in, in which they play seven games, seven games over six weeks, literally anything can be a season-ending injury. Yeah, a broken finger can be a season-ending injury. An ankle, you know? spra- a high ankle anything. sprain. You're yeah. you're you're done for pretty much the season. Yeah, it could definitely be anything. Uh, the Trojans have been participating in fully padded, full contact practices. Uh, there's been reports that. Brew McCoy is looking good. Drake Jackson is looking good. Keaton Slovis is up in weight and has improved his core strength. Players, I think it was Elijah Griffin, said that he's looking like a Heisman contender, an NFL quarterback out there. So lots of praise to go around. And this is really when it'd be great if we could see practice. And obviously it's a pandemic. I think we all understand why not. But uh, it'd be great to actually see where SC stands at this point, which is why one of the things that I'm looking forward to the season for is just to see exactly where SC is. Yeah, you're right, because we are seeing, we're getting everything through the lens of what they're telling us. And normally during camp, spring or fall camp, what what they're telling us is positive and what we're seeing is generally positive because it's, it's hard to, to you know, th- th- there's not a lot to gauge it against. There's no score that you can put down to to, to decide, uh, you know, whether or not it was a good day or a bad day uh, necessarily. So camp reporting tends to be semi-positive, but when you don't, when we're not even out there getting to see, okay, the offensive line looks okay or the defensive line looks okay, everything is being funneled through the coaches and the players. It's especially hard to tell what is real and what is not. Um the the important thing on the Bruce McCoy stuff is that he's healthy, and he was dealing with a little bit of a of a sort of tight hamstring. A lot of guys have been dealing with a little bit of sort of tight hamstrings and stuff like that, but that he's been able to go out there and practice is a big deal because his availability is is key for USC in in that receiving core uh, with uh, with not great depth there. Uh, but at the you know on the plus side, we are hearing a lot of things consistently about. The practice is being more physical. And Todd Orlando has definitely put out that aura of he doesn't even see the value of practicing when you're not in pads. He he was very much ready for the pads to come on. So that's a good sign. That's those certainly good signs. But like you said, none of this really matters until you see how your preparation compared to Arizona State's preparation and whether or not it's going to propel you past them, which is really what matters. Yes, indeed. Uh, Well, we got a bunch of questions, Alicia. Let's get to those. We'll be right back. You've got mail. All right, Alicia, let's start with a tweet we got from our pal, Sean, in beautiful Austin, Texas. We've seen the pitch to pass. We've seen the kick received misdirect. What will be USC's trick play of the season? You know, I love this question in a year in which... Nobody can go to practice because we can't spoil it this time. 
So a little inside baseball, when you go to practice, you're you're not supposed to, you know, talk about the schematics of what's going down, right? It's the same thing you see uh, broadcasters talk to the players and the coaches in production meetings. They're getting all the inside scoops. They know when trick plays are coming and what what could be run, so that way they can talk about these things. But you're not going to hear Joe Buck and Troy Aikman talking about you know a, a special trick play until it happens because of the the sanctity of the game, right? So you've seen trick plays before, and they're super fun, and you can't talk about they're them. They're super fun, you cannot talk about them, right? <laughs> And so here we are. We have not been to practice, so it's speculation season here. Wide open. Yeah. No worry of spoiling anything. It's great. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Like, I mean, could always throw a halfback pass somewhere in there. You could always throw a wide receiver pass somewhere in there. Tyler Vaughn's has experience as a quarterback, so he's always a... a I was thinking that. Yeah. Always we we somebody... see him throw, throw a pass against ASU. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We could see him do it do it again, for sure. Um yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, isn't that the fun of a trick play that it, you don't necessarily see it coming? That it kind of surprises you because you want it to surprise you, and you want it to surprise the defense. I, I got one. Relatively simple flea flicker. Uh, I think we'll see a flea flicker. In some I point. hope it's a well, a well executed flea flicker because flea flickers are great unless they're bad. Sure, but you get Gary Bryant out there, the speedster. Mm. Just let him burn somebody. Let's do it. You, you you run a flea flicker with Marquis Step when everyone thinks it's a run play. There you go. Beat him over the top. I'll take it. Next question from Sean is USC going to land Corey Foreman? That is the big question, isn't it? I don't know. I they, they got to put together a good. They season have if to they put want together to, right? a good season if they want to, and even that wouldn't guarantee it. But I certainly think it would help. If USC goes undefeated and looks really good and has some momentum going into the the recruiting cycle, because you know it, I don't think you get him without it. Yep. Slack message from Evan. Uh, what's more likely, Corey Foreman signs with USC or Jake Garcia signs with USC? I think it's more likely that Jake Garcia signs with USC, and that's and that is more a reflection of how how uncertain i am about Corey foreman than than anything like i just don't know what Corey foreman is going to do i don't know that Corey foreman knows what Corey foreman is going to do so jake garcia is at least committed to usc and uh it seems like that's not changing yeah that's that's half the battle is the is the commitment there obviously jake garcia is up in the air we know that sc has the commitment from miller moss uh jake garcia is Currently bandying about trying to get on the field somewhere at some place. Somewhere in Georgia is going to let him play high school football. <laughs> if not Georgia, the, the, the state, it might be Georgia, the country. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think the Garcias will try to do anything to get him on the field. I, I feel bad for Jake Garcia because he's had such a weird high school career. More so than than Kenny Bigelow. Remember Kenny Bigelow and Khalil Rogers? They had that weird thing where... They they didn't play their senior seasons because their school got like banned. Yeah, and here we are, and Jake Garcia c- can you know do the whole hold my beer thing about his crazy tenure as a high school quarterback. Yeah, it's it's gonna be funny to look back on it 
in a couple of years and say, hey, remember Jake Garcia's like ridiculous odyssey at, at the high school level? Can, can I just Most say, of which wasn't in his control. No, and I, I just want to go on my soapbox. I, I've seen a lot of people criticizing Jake Garcia for so many transfers. I like I get it, but at the same point, you have to think about the situation he's been in. He goes from Long Beach Poly to Narbonne, and he becomes Narbonne's starter. He starts for two years. He would have started for three years if this would have been a normal year, and Narbonne wouldn't have gotten the, the penalties that they got well, from the he, CIF. He only leaves Narbonne because of massive CIF penalties. Yes. Totally reasonable to, for him to go to La Habra. It's not his fault that a global pandemic struck... Right. And canceled that season. And then he transfers to Valdosta. And really where they went wrong there is that his parents talked to ESPN. Like that was like, I don't know that that was really in his control either. So Valdosta gets him. Yeah, And, and at this point, you know, you're already committed to the, to the bit by, uh, by trying to yeah. play in Georgia that you might as well just see see what's up somewhere else so yeah ease up on the kid if you this isn't an indictment of his character or anything like that and i've seen those comments uh in several places and i really just don't get it uh evan also says also uh everyone keeps saying that the asu game will be tougher than the utah game but why wouldn't the utah game be tougher i think asu can be a good team this year but wouldn't a game against utah be tougher because it's on the road and Kyle Winningham is more proven at the college level than Herm Edwards. I think Evan is absolutely right on this. And I think that the the hurdles that the ASU game brings are significant. The 9 a.m. start and all of that, uh, knowing that ASU had more of a of a offseason than, than USC was able to do. But it's not like USC doesn't have that, and it's and and also ASU had to replace its offensive and defensive coordinators, and ASU had to replace, uh, you know, you know Benjamin and a couple other playmakers. So it's not like ASU is in perfect shape either. And I think that still traveling to Utah outweighs the nine a.m. start to me, and it, and it helps that Rice Eccles won't have a big crowd there. But at the same time, like USC's problem hasn't necessarily been crowd noise. It's getting on a plane and traveling somewhere that's not the Coliseum that seems to be the problem. So that is still in play, if not more so, because you're getting on a plane in the middle of a of a pandemic and having all sorts of weird stuff, testing and all sorts of stuff that you're going to be doing. So, yeah, I would still say that Utah is a harder game than ASU. You know what it comes down to is quarterback bias and Quarterback yes. return returning quarterback bias, right? Every time there is a team that has a quarterback that's returning, they will immediately get more hype than the same team that doesn't, right? And this is a situation where people look at Jaden Daniels and they completely forget that ASU does have to replace Eno Benjamin, Brandon Ayuk, both coordinators and, and whatnot, while Utah has to replace everybody too. Um, so Utah's replacing a bunch of guys. ASU has more talent than Utah. Uh, I think that we can say definitively no matter what. Um, but, but they're both replacing a lot of key parts. SC tends to play better at the Coliseum than on the road. So really it's, it's a coin flip of anything, but both, both games could be tough. Both games can be tough. SC could lose each one of them. Uh, should they? No, I see as a better roster. 
and a better team, I would say, than both those teams. Uh, they should win both those games, but this is college football. This is college football in 2020, in the COVID year, in which look at all the games going on. Look at the Big Ten. Anything can happen. Literally anything can happen this year. So at, at that point, who's to say what's tougher? Uh, it might be Washington State. You never know. Uh, a tweet from Oscar P. When is USC going to start signing five-star athletes? Uh, I mean, have they necessarily stopped signing five-star athletes? Well, not with the same consistency. Well, certainly before. not, but it's, you know, they could sign Corey Foreman. So there's one. Uh, they got Brew McCoy. Uh, they've, they've gotten, you know, they've gotten guys. I'm I'm not trying to like give USC a pass. I just think that it's a it's a really loaded question considering USC has signed five stars and has five stars on their team. And what is the difference between like a five star like Kyle Ford not being a five star was marginal, you know? It it's a weird it's a weird issue because we've talked whenever we talk about the three stars, we say that the problem isn't the three stars, it's that they're not having five stars in addition to the three stars. And here we are talking about the five stars. And it's an interesting situation where I don't necessarily think that the problem is that SC's not getting the five stars. It's that they aren't putting together classes that are comparable to what USC has done for the long term. When well, you look at these last two classes. Okay. But again, I talk about two classes that have been signed after SC went five and seven and then had to recruit on that season of five and seven. If SC wins games, they're going to get five stars. This is USC. It recruits itself to a point, no matter who the coach is, uh, because we've seen Clay Helton get top five classes before. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of my point, is that it's USC does need to do better with recruiting those five stars, but you recruit those five stars better if you start winning games. So, you know, Corey Foreman and uh, Justin Flo and... Um, you know, those guys that USC has missed on in the in the past, those guys come to USC if USC is a national title contender. So, you know, that's the difference. For me, it's more important that USC has a class like this year where they have, you know, eight, nine, ten guys who are in the top 200. Like, I don't necessarily need them all to be five stars, but when you've got, you know, that many four high-level four stars as USC has in this current class, I think you're doing fine. Yeah, the, the only thing that I think is the, the real place to to feel concern is on the offensive line. Yeah, it's the linemen. And SC's not recruiting five-star offensive linemen there. One, uh, because of logistics, um, there's not many five-star offensive linemen on the West Coast. Yes. Uh, but number two is because they've kind of targeted a specific type of guy that they're looking for, and those guys don't tend to be three-stars. And like... We, we talked about over in our Patreon preview of the offensive line, that is a big gamble that USC is taking. It's one that could pay off, but it is a big gamble, right? The whole point of the, the, the star system is that stars matter because it's not that three stars can't be superstars for your team. It's just that the five stars are more likely to pay out, right? It's, it's all odds and probability. So if you're banking on an offensive line that's full of three stars, it's less likely that, that that line will succeed than one full of five stars. Doesn't mean it can't. It's just less likely. So you, you got to hit on that strategy. And if they do, great. 
If not, it's really going to backfire. That's just the 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 situation. But the the key to all this is win games. You win games, you'll sign five stars, no matter the position. Maybe outside of the linemen, because there are no linemen in the West. Well, and and that's and that's exactly what I was getting at. And if USC is able to recruit offensive linemen for the scheme, and that works out, then five stars from other directions will will end up coming to USC because. They were able to do what they were able to do with the three-star guys that they recruited. But it all comes down to development. It all comes down to what you do with them. So, you know, it's all stuff that we can't necessarily prove at this exact moment. Anthony says, who are your breakout players this year on offense and defense? Okay, so breakout player on... On offense, I think it's only one person can qualify for this. Uh, Brew McCoy? I think it has to be Brew McCoy, right? Because everyone else is, it would be, disin- like, could you put Stephen Carr as a breakout player if he has, like, a big final year? Maybe. If he's but the number one running back and rushes for a thousand yards. Or the equivalent of a thousand yards. Yeah, then, the then, yeah. then maybe. But we, we've already seen what he is uh, and what his role is on this team. And barring a... a even if he's a superstar, like we already know that he has that capability yeah. too. So, so well, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out. I think there are two potential true breakout options. It's Brew McCoy and it's uh, Jude Wolf. Okay, I would just say Brew McCoy or Gary Bryant. Gary Bryant's another option for sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, on defense, who you got? It's tough on defense too because there's a lot of known quantities. But uh, I I think I would be probably comfortable with going with Isaiah Polamau. Just because Talanoa Hufanga gets more of the attention, I think Isaiah Pulamau has a ton of talent. He has a year of, uh, of of being a starter under his belt, and I think this could be the year that he really takes it up a notch. Uh, but uh, it, does he count as a breakout player if he's been a starter already? He it's hard, does, hard to doesn't say. count for me. I think last year was his breakout year. Especially okay. when you look at all the interceptions he had. Well, then in that case, I'll just go with Raylan Goforth. That's a good call. I, I was going to go with Max Williams. Oh, I like it. I like it. Yeah. We we saw little flashes um last year in the little time of... that, that he yeah. played. Him and Dorian Hewitt I thought looked good um and just needed more time. And and now they could potentially get more time. Uh and Williams being at that uh, that nickel spot I think would be interesting to see what he can do uh this year. And Raylan Goforth at linebacker where there's been all those injuries, certainly can play a big role for the Trojans. Uh, we got a question from R.I.P. Kobe and Gigi. Who will make the biggest impact on both sides of the ball in general? Uh, is, is it a scheme out just to say Keaton Slovis on offense? Yeah, unless you want to go with Elijah Vera Tucker. Sure. Which I think I'll is, is fair. If, if, if ABT is the, the thing that keeps Keaton Slovis upright and healthy, then uh, that's certainly a big deal. And on defense, I mean, I, I got to go with Talanoha Fanga. Just because he is the impact player on that defense, and I think Todd Orlando's scheme is really intriguing as far as what what they'll have him be doing. So, uh, yeah, that it, I think that he can be his best safety in, in a Todd Orlando scheme that we've seen other great safeties come out of. Thousand percent, I would just say, uh, Hufanga. The only other guy I think I'll throw in there is Drake Jackson. Drake Jackson yeah. potentially, I- ideally. Hufang is great, but but Jackson's even better. That's the best that would be awesome. outcome for this defense, yes. I, I would say. Yeah. Uh, next question from 
uh, R.I.P. Kobe and Gigi, what team possesses the biggest threat to beating us this year in the Pac-12? I, I got a bold one. It's USC. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the answer, really. I, I mean, the problem is that Utah, we just don't know what they have at this point. Um, ASU, Jaden Daniel is maybe, Jaden Daniels, sorry, is maybe the one that you look at and say he's a huge threat because USC didn't play him last year and he could be the the game changer in a in a first game where USC's offense is I mean sorry USC's defense is still figuring itself out um he's probably the best player you will opposing player USC will see this year that comes to mind unless you get Oregon in the uh in the title game so and, and Penny Sewell comes out of uh, of, 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 the, opt out of out, the opt out uh, list. Yeah. I mean, they they got to uh, was it Diamador Lenore who opted back in? Um, yeah, and they clearly they, have a bunch of talent. Otherwise, yeah, Kevin um, Thibodeau is is pretty good for them. And he's, yeah, he's he's all right. He's I think. pretty decent. He's, he's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna say it, uh, biggest threat. I mean, aside from Oregon in general, I I think it's. It's probably ASU. I just think just strictly from a, a, a talent level, like we talked about before, ASU and Utah both have question marks. I like uh, ASU's roster a little bit more, um, not just because of Jaden Daniels either. Um, next question from Luke M. What position group makes the biggest improvement over last year? I think it'll be the defensive line. No. No, no, no. It'll be the linebackers. It will absolutely 1,000% be, right? be the linebackers because they have – they're coming, starting from the lowest spot. They have the most to grow. They have the most to grow in a system that should suit them in theory. So the, theoretically, and this is the thing. Perhaps. And this was the thing that I think, if you want to get really excited about this team, if you want to get really excited about the talk of this defense, then get really excited about the things that they're saying about Pali and Ateote at this point, and not so much what they're saying about EA. Is what they're saying about Todd Orlando and his relationship with EA. Like, apparently... Hot damn, that defense. Apparently, Orlando is really, really writing EA to be better than he was. Uh, he's really on, like, pushing him to maximize his ability. And if and if that's what he needs to be the player that we think he can be, be that All-American level player, then that could be the thing that that just takes the defense to... A whole other level. I was going to write something on on Reina Troy at some point this week about how Naoteote is the single most important player on the defense. As far as if he has a good year, then USC's defense will have had a good year, and that is something that um, you can be very hopeful of. Uh, the, is the is he the biggest determining factor of how good SC could be? I think. I think so. I, I mean, aside from. You know, the offensive line as a whole, uh, but if we're talking about single players, I think a big year for EA is 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 a clear sign that something went right on that on that defense. Right. Yeah, I, I would I would agree uh with you there for sure. Uh Luke also says which former four star recruit uh, that has never made an impact before uh and below will make a big impact this year. Raylan Goforth? Is it too soon to say Raylan Goforth in the sense of someone who's never made an impact? Well, he hasn't had a really opportunity to make an impact before. Well, maybe it's your. No, I got. I got. It's it. your got Max it. Williams I, call. I, I, I got it. It's Liam Jimmons. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, four-star four recruits or below, 
and someone who's never made an impact before, Liam Jimmons. He made that that transition to the offensive line from the defensive line. Mm-hmm. That you know, along with being buried on the depth chart, he's someone who's been around for for years. Now he's looking like he's going to be a starting offensive lineman for SC. This is his opportunity. Yeah, I think that's a that's a decent answer. I think Max Williams potentially fits into that role. Um, you, you know, I I I don't know if I can predict it at this point, but if USC were able to get you know John Jackson third going as a receiver, maybe um, yeah, Jude Wolf would fit into that definitely. All right, we've got so many more questions here in the mailbag coming up next. Uh, tweet from Todd. Uh, how has Todd Orlando impacted the defense, and do you think the improvement, or lack thereof, will be significant? I think there will be a significant improvement just because I think Todd Orlando is keyed in, where I think Clancy Pendergast really just clocked out early last year. And the one thing that I, I am really excited about is kind of what I was getting on uh, earlier when I was talking about uh, Ian Ateote. Orlando has brought a different kind of mindset to the defense. Uh, He seems to have been the driving force behind the physicality and practice. Uh, He seems to be to have that sort of edge to him that I think USC's defense lacked. And I think that is, you know, potentially a huge impact for the defense. Um, Does that mean that USC is going to have a super elite defense? I I wouldn't go that far, but I think they will be improved from last year. But then again, last year, they really fell on their face. At a certain point. Next up, we got a Slack message from our pal Trent. After seeing what Kyler Murray did to the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday night, and this season in general, do you feel like Graham Harrell's offense can't be fully unlocked until USC has a mobile quarterback? That is an interesting question. I, I think the simplest answer is I think any offense is at its best if the quarterback is mobile. If you have a mobile quarterback that can give the defense just one more thing to think about and one more person to occupy uh, a, a role on that defense, um, and if you have to go up against 10 men instead of 11 because that defense now suddenly has to account for the quarterback's ability to take off on his feet, I think that improves the offense. I don't think this is strictly a Graham Harrell thing or an air raid thing that that I don't think it's that the air raid is better with with a mobile quarterback. I think literally any offense is better with a mobile quarterback. And to be fair, I mean, look at what Alabama is doing. Um, they're more obviously more physical than than SC, but Mac Jones is not a mobile, mobile, mobile quarterback, especially compared to Tua, especially compared to Kyler Murray. So I think Alabama's offense is just fine without a mobile quarterback. But Alabama surely would be better if they had a mobile quarterback. I mean, more so that if Mac Jones was a more of a running quarterback, I think he'd be even better. Um, and yes, obviously, mind you, that Alabama is more physical and therefore can get away with not having a mobile quarterback, uh, maybe unlike other schools. Yeah, uh, but I mean, the, the problem here is that like Kyler Murray's legs, Lamar Jackson's legs they're the kind of things that set them apart, but they're rare things. They're rare, rare athletes. And most offenses aren't going to have that luxury. So yes, do you want somebody who is mobile? 
absolutely. Does that mean that you can't have your offense absolutely explode? No, I think you can have Graham Harrell's offense be amazing without a mobile quarterback. Um, it helps not having a statue in the backfield, but it's not like Keaton Slovis is a statue. So I, I think that it's just another wrinkle that you'd like to be able to throw at opposing defenses. But as offensive coordinators will tell you all the time, that should be a cherry on top. That shouldn't be the primary thing that governs what your quarterback is doing. So if you're telling me, would I rather have Keaton Slovis, who also can, you know, run like Kyler Murray? Yeah, sure. I would I would love that. But I would also rather I would I would start with having Keaton Slovis. I mean, Matt Fink is a better runner than Keaton Slovis. That doesn't mean you want Matt Fink as your starting quarterback. Right. I think decision making in the arm is more important than anything. But the, the running is that cherry on top. But to, to Trent's point, I think that if if you look at how good your Kyler Murray's and your Deshaun Watson's can be, particularly in college, shouldn't you be recruiting those type of guys? Well, who are those type of guys, though? Like, I mean, Ohio State doesn't have a hard time replacing several of those dudes back to back to back to back to back. Well, I guess my question is, should USC not be recruiting Miller Moss and Jake Garcia then? Because those are top 100 quarterbacks. Like, it's... Right. Like well, you, well, this is the other thing that you look at California, what California produces. California produces a bunch of great pocket passers. And I, I think in general, um, if you have a great pocket passer, and I don't think that that limits you, uh, it's just that there's an extra tier that you can't get to uh, in that sense of having a runner who's also an in- exceptional passer. Yeah, I mean, you want the best of both worlds. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's anything crazy to be asking for, but you also have to go with what is the best of the world that you have, right? And I think in USC's case, Keaton Slovis is that guy, and you hope that Miller Moss or Jake Garcia is that guy. Yeah, I, the way I look at it, a mobile quarterback is going to take USC's potential offense from a ninety-eight to a hundred. If SC's offense is as good as advertised and is as good as they can be, this is like a 98-level offense. If they are their best and if they play up their to their potential, it's like a 98-rated offense. If you, if you had the ability to make Keaton Slovis run a 4-3-40, then it's a 100-point offense. You know what I mean? Right, right. And, and, and I think that that difference there is not enough to stop SC from winning games. Yeah, and that's and that's my whole point, is that, I mean, again, and it goes back to USC needs to start winning games because USC had Bryce Young. USC could have had DJ Yugo Lele. I think I said his name right. Uh, USC could have had a couple of these guys that are those combo great passers and great runners, but they went to the you know, national programs like Alabama and Clemson. Well, if USC puts themselves in that in that zone, then they will be able to have their pick of the litter there. But because they're not, they have to go with what is available. And what is available is guys like Miller Moss and Jake Garcia, who are perfectly capable of, of getting a ton out of the offense, you hope. Yeah, especially for local guys. Uh, let's go to a tweet from uh, our pal Jay. Uh, this schedule is totally set up for SC to go undefeated. Can you fire Clay Helton if they have one or two losses? 
I, I feel like I'm going to say this every single episode. It's about the context. What do those one or two losses look like? Who are they against? What is the story behind them? If SC it slogs through their schedule and, and I hate these what-if scenarios because they always sound corny, but if SC goes 5-1 and one through their first six games and there's a couple nail biters in there and they lose the Pac-12 championship game, then yes, you can fire Clay Helton. If they go six and two with a bowl game loss and a loss to Oregon in overtime, then you're probably not going to fire Clay Helton because they looked really good in that six and two. Like it's all about the context of what those one or two losses look like. I think you're overthinking this. USC isn't firing Clay Helton with one or two losses under any circumstances. The the finances aren't there. The pandemic hasn't helped. Um, it's a weird season. He's going to get a pass this year. USC is not firing Clay Hilton. Certainly not with one or two losses, in my opinion. I, I actually think this is a case of optimistic, Alicia. Uh, there was a report a little while ago, I think it was from ESPN, where they said, you know, basically it would need to be an utter disaster. I would tend to agree. I think USC needs to be like, what, there's seven games, like two and five. Three and four. We've talked about it before. If you don't fire him this year, you got to extend him. Well, I don't think you do, though. (sighs) Okay, if if it's a choice between extending him and firing him, you fire him, absolutely. But I don't think you have to extend him. You're in the middle of a pandemic. You don't extend him unless it's beneficial to you. So you play the the pandemic card for when... uh, SC is going after to recruit some, you know, we, we talk about these five-star guys that SC uh, needs if to be USC going after. If USC has right? gone three and four and is sure. contemplating firing Clay Hilton, they're not getting the five-star guys anyways. Okay, fair, but fine. But I'm, I'm saying... If, if- I'm saying if USC is having to have this debate, then the extension should only come on USC's terms. That means the extension involves more years but a more palatable buyout situation, which is not what well, USC got last yes, time. Yes, I agree. Uh, in in a bubble, but absolutely. I d- but yes. I don't think you have to extend him after this year. I don't think. I don't, I don't think know it's, how you bring back a coach that only has three years on it on his. It's a con- pan- like, it's, nobody in college football does that. It's a pandemic. It does not happen. Well, no one has ever had to deal with a pandemic. <laughs> so you use the pandemic. As I the think excuse. I use the pandemic as an excuse or whatever. But I certainly so so. What don't do you what do you him. say to that recruit? That is being told by, you know, insert, uh, or being told by uh, Kyle Whittingham, well, you know, Clay Helton only has a couple of more years on his schedule, on, on his contract. They didn't extend him. I don't know. I mean. Well, but uh, Kyle uh, Whittingham or I whoever. Mean, Tennessee could... extended, uh, you know, Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, Kyle extended Justin Wilcox. And they haven't achieved what Clay Helton has. And, you know, what no, does that no, say? But the, the negative recruiting is going to happen whether USC extends them or not. They well, could sure. They could sit there and say, well, you know, they can fire him at any moment. It's not like you are guaranteed to have him be your head coach for the next four years, which is factual. Right. If 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 that's the story that, that, that other opposing teams are telling the recruits that USC has, USC can just turn around and say, listen, everybody's athletic departments are dealing with some issues it wasn't the right time for us we're gonna we're, we're in the middle of negotiations it's not a big deal like it I, doesn't I, have to be a big deal i certainly not under these circumstances realistically speaking i agree i'm saying it doesn't happen in college football well but like, like i said if usc extends clay helton 
The, College football is ridiculous. But if, you know if what I mean? but if USC extends Helton, then they should do so under their terms, which is to say, we'll give you more years, but you're not having any buyout situation going on here. And that's that. Again, so if you need I, to extend him, you extend him fine. But I, you certainly aren't firing him after this year. I guarantee you that. Again, I I agree that should be the premise. But when he's got Jimmy Sexton as a, as an agent, yeah, I, I don't, don't deal I don't with Jimmy see Sexton. The reality, reality of that well, situation. No, if you're USC, you say okay, fine, walk, and then you're I, and then I, your I, entire problem is solved. <laughs> if I'm Mike Bone and Brandon Sosna and all of them, and I'm sitting there at the table with Jimmy Sexton. Knowing that Jimmy Sexton put USC over the over a rake last time, like I sit there and say, "You want an extension? Okay, you're doing so, and the, and this is the buyout that we're that we're gonna situ- that we're gonna have situated. You don't like that? Then leave." I I mean I I don't disagree that that's what you'd want to do, for sure. I hear you. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that that stuff doesn't happen in college football. You... I'm not to say that it couldn't. Not to say that it couldn't or shouldn't, but it just doesn't happen. I, I, I think you are still reacting from the gun-shy USC can't manage itself uh, phase of the last few years. It's not just about SC. Literally every team no, I'm, but uh, again, extends their coach. Like I'm saying, it's Everyone. not it's not about extending or not extending. It's about if you're going to extend him, what does that extension look like? You can extend him without having it be a situation where you can't fire him the next year. Sure. You can extend like said, Clay Helton I, I in, in spring of 2021 and still fire him at the end of 2021. Ideally, if you do it right. that's the situation yes, where but, you just tack on, so, so you whether tack on or not more years but not more money. So sure. whether or not you're extending him doesn't change the fact that you're not going to fire him after this year. You're just I not. I still think they could. I don't think they will. I think they could. I think you're living in a dreamland. We will see when we get there, won't we? Uh, let's get a Slack message from LA Fred. Uh, which coaches around the country should be watching as potential future USC head coaches? Dave Aranda, uh, Venables, Fleck, Franklin, etc. If it's not Urban or another not current coach employed uh, as the head coach. Okay. I just wrote about this for fansided.com, so I can say with certainty, thank God, I don't think there's any chance that USC's getting James Franklin, which is them dodging a major bullet, in my opinion. James Franklin just signed a six-year extension with a buyout of $38.5 million for this wow. year. And it's not going to get that much lighter any year to year. He's guaranteed minimum $5 million. I think it's guaranteed $5 million, and then it adds up every year. Guaranteed that money, Coach Helton for this, plus a million dollar life insurance thing. That's I don't still don't understand. Wow, and all of that through the length of his contract. So like next year it'll still be thirty some odd million. Like no one's paying that buyout. Yeah, and Penn State's not paying that buyout to get rid of James Franklin, and no one's paying that buyout to bring James Franklin to them. It's just James Franklin ain't happening. Um, I think Dave Aranda's the one you got to watch. Because Dave Aranda has ties to to the to the local area, there were rumors that he was considering coming to USC as a DC in the first place, and um, you know if he's able to do some good things with Baylor, then he's definitely somebody that I think USC should have their eye on. Brett Venables, you know what? It's just going to come down to when he decides he wants to to be a head coach, and I don't know if USC would be the location that he would choose um, to make that leap. But yeah, I. I- 
I think if you're Brent Venables, aren't you hoping that Nick Saban retires and that Dabo goes there? Yeah, and I then think you just inherit. You the... take over Clemson yeah. or some some situation like that. Um, I think PJ Fleck. Uh, that one's hard to gauge. The one I would throw out there that Fred didn't mention is uh, Luke Fickle, who is Cincinnati's head coach, who obviously Mike Bone knows very well, and who is uh, got the uh, got the Bearcats going pretty well over the last couple of years. Yeah, they they look really good on Saturday with the big drubbing of SMU, one that just completely blew up in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, Fickle is someone that, that you can keep an eye on. Uh, again, I always talk about uh, Matt Campbell. Uh, he beat Oklahoma this year. Um, definitely someone who the could problem, potentially be much better at, at, at a school with more talent than Iowa State. The problem with Matt Campbell is that his name is just going to keep coming up for NFL stuff, so... That I, I just don't I know. I can't see him in the I NFL. I can't see it either. But no. it just feels like that'll be the step he that he takes the the same step as um as uh the the guy who went to the Panthers whose name I'm blanking on right now. Yeah, I I would I would say that Fickle seems like the guy, right? Just because of the connection to uh, to, uh, yeah. to Mike Bone. Yeah. But I don't know if that's a lazy connection or not. It feels like it is. I don't know that, like, I don't know that Fickle's the guy just because he's got a connection to Mike Bone. You know what I mean? But you're but, right that it feels like he does because he does. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I I, don't know. Anyways, yeah. uh, let's wrap this thing up with a question from Michael Mudo. Uh, does Michael's terrible food takes make it difficult to podcast with him, Alicia? You know what? It makes it difficult to have any conversations with him because I'm always sitting on the edge of is this going to be a bad take? Like, and then when he says he does like something, there's always a moment of like, wait, really? Like, you're, are you pulling my leg? Like, Which I hate because you know I like most things. I don't think you do. I do, yeah. I don't sure. know that you do. For sure. I don't know. I like most things. There just happens to be a lot of trash products out there. No, the biggest problem with Michael's terrible food takes is not that you guys have to listen to them. It's that I have to like dance around them when we go out like to get food or something like that like you know things have to be within the spectrum of michael's weird deterministic like this is good but this is bad equation and it's very hard to navigate sometimes i'm sorry but but if you want me to go to a burger place that puts freaking peanut butter on their burger buns then that's a them problem, not a me problem. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. And first of all, let's talk about Halloween candy. Halloween, first of all, trash holiday. You guys already know that part. See, this is already but, the worst take he has. But here's my thing. Most candy, not good. Uh, like, I, uh, I, I'm not a sweets guy. I, 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 just, I, 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 like, I, I'm not a candy person. I like desserts. I don't like candies. Does that make sense? I like all of the above. Give me a piece the, of cake. Give the, me some cookies. Give me a brownie. Don't give me some Jolly Ranchers. And Jolly Ranchers I like compared to most things. But, like, I look at these these definitive, like, these are the best ever Halloween candies. It's like Snickers, garbage. Twix, garbage. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Absolute trash. Anything with peanut butter is complete trash. Anything with nuts in it, 
complete garbage, which I know you agree with. You know, well, everyone okay, yelling, at, yelling at their at their at their car uh, on their jog, listening to the to us talk right now, is mad at me because I don't like peanuts in my candy bars. But Alicia, tell the people, tell them, tell okay, them. Okay, but the difference here is that I don't prefer nuts in my candy bars. You don't like nuts in your candy bars. No, tell them. I tell will. Them. I will eat a Snickers. Tell the people. It's just not my favorite. I'd you rather have a Milky like Way. Nuts in your candy. Bars. I will eat a Reese's piece, uh, Reese's thing. But I think I, of all the candies, I for me Reese's are overrated. I'd, uh, Exactly. They're, they're the last Tell thing. The people. They're the last thing I would reach for. It's not but just the me. Difference, hold I on. Backup here, hold folks. on. The difference is. The difference is. While I would reach for other candies first, if it's a bowl of Reese's pieces, I will eat the Reese's pieces because candy is candy and I enjoy it. And first of all, let me get to my strongest opinion. Anyone who says Reese's, please unsubscribe from the podcast <laughs> right now. That's turning away our listeners. It's, uh, this is but lovely. check us out over on Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Uh, no, when, you, when I'm talking about great Halloween candy, as a kid, I used to love Smarties. I like Smarties. Uh, I used to love the um, Smart Tarts. Mm. Um, I like the ones, I can't, I, they're Smarties, right? The ones in the, in the long tube. The long tube, the long clear tube, yep. Yeah, so I used to tell like my mom, like, oh, I got some more of my medicine. And I'd pretend <laughs> like they were like pills and stuff. That's what we used to do with uh, with Pez. Yeah, that could work too. Yeah. Um, so I used to love those. Love Tootsie Rolls. Love, love, love Tootsie Rolls. Um, but no, if we're talking about candy bars, the best candy bars, you got... Let's not overthink it. Chocolate. Just a freaking chocolate bar is always going to be the best. Like a Dove milk chocolate bar? Let's not overthink it and add crap into a freaking candy bar. Just give me a piece of Dove milk chocolate. Let's not overthink it and put down any candy. It's all wonderful and it should all be praised and given its fair due. Sometimes and I want a, a Hershey's bar. Sometimes I want a Milky Way. Peanut butter or sometimes caramel, I want other things. Stick it. Nah. Sometimes I want a Three Musketeers. Sometimes I want Three wanna... Musketeers does not have nuts, caramel, or uh, or well, see, butter, but this so. is this is why my argument for why hundred grams are the best candy bar because they have the chocolate, the caramel, and they have the crunch, but not via a nut, but via the crunch, like crunch rice, crispies like crunch. See, those are the only types of uh, the only things I like in my chocolate are rice. So we're talking about like crunch rice bars. crispies, yeah. yes, a crackle, or that little wafer that's in a that's in a um, Kit Kat. Yeah, I love Kit Kats. And by the way, the people who eat Kit Kats by breaking each one apart, <sighs> stop being a heathen. Just eat the damn thing no, like a candy bar. Eat it as it was meant to be eaten, like a candy bar, which is in an individual cut. It's 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 made so that you have that individual. Yeah, and then you have the chocolate melting all over your hands like a freaking weirdo. No, that's good. Tasty. You'll lick your lick your finger. It's it's yummy. M and M's great. M and M's are good. People who get peanut M and M's. Yeah, but you had some Skittles absolute. slander up in here on Twitter a couple nights ago, because and like Skittles are bad. Uh, what? How? How? You know what Skittles taste Skittles like? Skittles are wonderful. Skittles taste like if you got a piece of of wadded up paper, you dipped it in some 
some uh, flat Sprite, and then you covered it in uh, a, a colored coating, and you Who ate it. That's you? what a Skittle is. Who are you, and what kind of experiments did they do on your taste buds when you were a child? Jeez. I have a, I have a, a super taster palate. Oh, no. I'm the one that you should be praising here for my taste. No, no. Uh, I do not. Are- Utter garbage. I do not endorse any Complete of his trash. declarations of things being garbage. I find very few things to be garbage, except for garbage. Like... Starburst. Great. I love, love Starburst. Star yeah. Yeah. I love Starburst. I love Skittles. I love Twizzlers. I love Twix. I love Kit Kats. I love Hershey's Bars. I love uh, Milky Ways, Three Musketeers, Hundred Grands, uh, Hershey's Kisses, Tootsie Rolls, Smarties, Necco Wafers... Charleston Chews. Where, where uh, are you on dots? I like dots. The only candy that I genuinely don't like is candy corn. And the way I look at candy corn is candy corn is fine in small, small doses. I'm not a huge, like, I like jelly beans, but I also go back and forth on jelly beans. Jelly beans are something that I think that are I put in the candy corn realm. They are good. If I have three of them in my hand, if I have three candy corns in my hand, I can be like, "Mm, that was good. And I'll move on about my day. If I have a handful, when I get to the end, I'm like, why did I eat the last half of these? It's just, I I have no self-control. And I I say this as someone who loves the, the buttered popcorn jelly bellies. Those are the best kind of jelly bellies. No. Yeah. Buttered popcorn. No, no. Yeah. No. When, well, what kind of jelly bellies do you get? All of them except for that one. Come I like on. the ones that are fruity flavored. I like the ones that are like soda Butter flavored. Butter popcorn is the best one by no, far. No. Mm-mm. Yes. Mm-mm. I do not like. Do not like at all. <laughs> I I I have like are I have the serious? I have the taste in my mouth right now, and it's the most disappointing thing when you're like eating. And you get all the wonderful fruity flavors and all sorts of things. And then you pop that one in your mouth and then you're just like, like, that is a change of direction that I don't appreciate. It's the best one. It's like when you get the Birdie Bots Every Flavor Beans and like that's meant to be one of the good flavors, but it's actually one of the bad flavors for me. No. (sighs) Can't do it. Don't like. What am I going to do here? Pass. What am I going to do? What are you going to do? Jeez. What am I going to do? Anyways, I know what you guys are going to do. You guys are going to head over to Patreon and join us over there. We've got a bunch of bonus content, including our 10-part series talking about all things USC, unit by unit. We've done the offense. We're now hitting into the defense, so go check that out. Patreon.com slash Troy. Get all of our bonus content for as little as five fifty-five per month. For 10 bucks, you get to join our Slack channel and talk with, uh, with us about USC football, especially on game days when it's going to be an absolute blast. Um, Alicia, got any final words? The final word is Halloween, as in happy Halloween, everybody. Don't let Michael being a Grinch get you down. I'm not a Grinch. You're a Grinch. Oh, can I can I get on my soapbox one more time? We're we are entering a critical moment of the year when I really hate you because you crap all over Halloween and then you crap all over Thanksgiving and I am deeply offended by both things. Okay, the the 
these are the kind of people I really cannot stand. The people who have to decorate their house for Halloween on September 23rd or whatever it is. And then they have to start, you know, oh, I can't wait until Christmas season. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, because they love happy times that people like like, enjoy because Halloween and holidays are good. Don't need to be up that long. Like, well, I'm too lazy, so that's why I don't put them up that Christmas early. But music, I would. Don't start listening to your freaking Christmas okay, music that's fair. until it's December. You, you shouldn't start listening to Christmas music until after the de- Black Friday is the first day you should listen. I to I mean, Christmas realistically, music. I think the people who are all invested as adults in like Halloween month and and Christmas month, like they can't find happiness in anything else. That they have to find happiness in those two fabricated Hallmark holidays. This is why people like me better than you, Michael. Because no, you it's are not. a Grinch. I'm not a Grinch. You're a Grinch. Why can't holidays just be happy times that people enjoy? Because they're exciting and they're different, and it's they're all there's flavor there. Hallmark wants you to. Ooh, so like, what? Hallmark is fine. <laughs> big greeting card. Big greeting card is controlling our brains. <laughs> exactly. Big greeting card and and, and uh, I big, don't buy, big lights. I don't buy greeting cards, so big greeting card isn't working. But big lights definitely is making out here. So big dollar store is where I buy all the cheap Halloween decorations. It's definitely gotten some of my dollars. <laughs> Alright, we'll see you guys next time. See ya. See ya. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best-kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.